thank you for tuning into Holistic Finance, where we promote financial balance and financial health. Our mission is to simplify your finances so you can focus on your practice and enjoy life. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, as always, is Alexander Collins. We've been talking about investing and we've talked about like what is the market in terms of what the media says and, and maybe what some people think is the market. We've spoken about what is the economy and does the market and the economy go the same direction? Today's episode, we're going to start to get a little bit more detailed around portfolios and investing. And we're going to start with a simple statement, Alex. Asset allocation is what drives the return of your portfolio. Which, when I first got into the industry, I I would have said, that's crap. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'm sure maybe maybe some of our listeners are, are confused by that statement. And so wh- why don't we define asset allocation for them, Alex? Let's, you know, there's some, that's a misunderstood term. So it let's, really let's is. define it. So at its basic level, asset allocation is the mix of assets that you have inside of your portfolio. From a broad standpoint, that is the mix of stocks, bonds, real estate, and cash. Now, each one of those categories has a whole bunch of subcategories. We're going to leave that for a podcast for another day. We're not going to dive into the the different types of stocks, the, the different types of bonds, and, and why you're going to want X versus Y, and all of the details around that. We're keeping it at a high level today, and we're just talking about the, the mix that you have of stocks, bonds, real estate, and cash. So that's a pretty strong statement that we started this episode with. Asset allocation is what drives the return of your portfolio. And so, you know, we just defined asset allocation. So let, let's talk about what, why is that, right? And so first things first, we're talking about long-term investment, right? Yeah. We're not talking about individual years. This is strictly long-term investing. So long-term investing is somewhat of a misnomer just because investing is inherently a long-term proposition. Um, if we're if we're talking about short time periods, um, that's really more speculation than it is investing. Um, in, investing is a systematic way of, of building wealth over time. And while the outcomes aren't guaranteed, because we're dealing with an inherently volatile uh, mix of assets um, and we don't know the future. And the goal with investing is to make the outcomes as predictable and systematic as possible. That, that's, that's the goal with investing. Uh, we're we're not always able to do it just because of that uncertainty, because of that volatile nature of the markets. But that is the goal, and that's why we take a look at it from a long-term standpoint, um, especially when we're talking about retirement, for example. Even if somebody is at the doorstep of retirement, their assets typically need to last them for 20 to 30 years. 
even if they don't live for 20 or 30 years, we have to plan as though they're going to live for 20 to 30 years. Because if we plan for them to live for 10 years and they live for 20, that, that's a really, really big issue. So let, let's, let's dive into that a little bit deeper, maybe start with an example of you know, long-term versus short-term, and then we'll go uh, into more of backing up our statement here. Um, the the short-term example that I'm thinking of, Alex, and we were just talking about this before we hopped on here, is you know, picking Tesla, right, that company, and owning that stock. Sure. This specific year, the year 2020, versus uh, an index fund or versus even another individual stock, like Tesla has crushed it so far this year. Yeah, uh, 100%. It is you know, one of the best performing, if not the best performing stock um, out there. I mean, I, I'm hesitant to say it's the best performing stock. Um, yeah, it may not be I'm the sure. best, but it's pretty darn good right now. Oh, for sure. Um, last time I checked, it was you know up well over a hundred percent for the year. Um, and when we think about everything that has gone on, and um, you know some of the the news that's that's come out, um, you know positive and negative. Uh, Tesla isn't necessarily a stock that we would have you know thought of. Uh, as excelling during a, a pandemic and, and given the the current economic uh, climate that we're in. And and so it it's one of those things where this is one of the reasons why stock picking is so challenging um, is that uh, we wouldn't necessarily look at Tesla given the circumstances and say, yes, we're going to buy a car manufacturer uh, during a pandemic where people right. are sequestered at home and they're not allowed to to go out and drive uh, the thing that's going to do the best is a, is an automaker um, it just inherently that doesn't make a whole lot of sense and we don't know how it's going to end up like how's it going to end the year right oh, and going sure. going back to why I chose this you know talking about short term versus long term you know thus far like I said it's a it's a great stock to own thus far in the year 2020. Now, if you're going to own it long term, is it going to do what it did this year every single year? Could it maybe have a down year? Uh, the, the odds against it continuing to do what it's done this year every year um, are, are incredibly slim. Uh, there has never been a stock in the history of the market uh, that has had this type of performance year in and year out. It just doesn't exist. Um, so the the likelihood of it continuing to to do this uh, very 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 slim. Uh, not not to say that it's not going to be a stock that's not going to continue to perform well or anything of that nature. I'm not saying that uh, you should go out and and buy Tesla, nor am I saying you should go out and short Tesla. Um, so please don't take any of that uh, from from this conversation. Um, it's just incredibly unlikely for it to be continuously up triple digits um, from, from here on. Um, so the point of the of me going into this is, unless you're going to be buying and selling stocks, which we're about to get into how that's going to be very difficult, but it, 
the that individual stock is going to go up and down and obviously that's a lot of risk which is why people have you know we diversification which we've talked about that in in prior podcasts and i'm sure we'll get into that a, a, a bit further in future podcasts so we're talking long term here like short term yeah rate of return might dr be driven from a happen to like you happen to choose tesla this year but long term asset allocation is what's going to drive that so what do we why do we say that so let's talk about the stock selection Alice, we started to hint on this already it's extremely difficult to pick the winner if you will every single year well a hundred percent um it's it, it's something where when we're when we're talking about the difference between asset allocation and uh stock selection really what we're looking at is like okay if we compare uh, uh, Tesla or Amazon or Microsoft or any of these companies to its peer group, how is it doing in relation to its peer group? So for example, um, let's say that, uh, and I'm going to just pick, we'll, we'll call stock A. Um, if stock A is a part of uh, the S&P 500 and stock A is up 20% uh, for the year and the index is up 12% for the year, uh, or, or its peers are up 12%, then really what we would take a look at is we would say, okay, 12% of the return comes from asset allocation. You know, selecting, you know, large growth companies or large value companies or whatever the, the particular group is that we've selected, the extra 8% in my hypothetical example there, 20% return versus the 12% uh, index return, that is outperformance based on the individual security selection. Now, if we happen to buy it at the right time and sell it at the right time, uh, that, uh, so for example, if we um, actually got a 30% rate of return because we uh, bought in March, which was say a, a low for that particular stock, um, and then we sold it in October, which was a, a relative high for that particular stock. And so by doing that, we actually, uh, we're able to go ahead and add an extra 10% uh, in value um, so that the stock may have done 20% for the year, but from when we owned it, it actually did 30%. That extra 10% would be market timing. Um, and now, the, the way in which we're describing this, it's like, oh, hey, of course we're going to try and, you know, individual security select, and of course we're going to market time. However, the the actual history of professionals who do this day in and day out, if the professional gets 55% of their get of their uh, their selections, you know when to sell and what to sell, correct, they are hailed as one of the best money managers ever. They they grace the the magazine covers of financial. Uh, magazines and, and newspapers uh, across the country simply by being right a little bit more than being wrong. So the likelihood of actually accomplishing this is so small. The, you know, you brought up market timing in there and the, the market timing, it, it's extremely difficult, right? And there's, you know, stock selection and market timing will always be a factor in the portfolio. It's just a smaller factor unless you're actively trading, which if you're actively trading, 
it's it's obviously a much bigger factor and oftentimes it might be a negative factor to the portfolio because how difficult is it to pick individual stocks consistently and have them and have them do well how difficult is it to know when to get out and back in it's it's very difficult and matter of fact it's so difficult that if someone could do it consistently there would probably be a statue of them on wall street and not the bull yeah uh <laughs> yes there there are professionals that are paid very very handsomely to do this and again if they if they are are correct 55% of the time uh they're they're hailed as gurus um so it, it's something where where accomplishing this is incredibly challenging uh we're in an ever moving landscape um and the 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 mountain of evidence the 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 more and more uh we've got come into the um the age of big data, the more the evidence has shown that that market timing and individual security selection are, are overwhelmingly negative. And then we've got one final piece, and it kind of it goes into the market timing and the stock selection. So they're all intertwined, and that's just outside factors. Right? If you owned a stock in Japan, for instance, a company in Japan, and a tsunami hits Japan, that stock might go down. That's an outside factor that you can't control. Yeah, and so, and and there's several other fact outside factors that could go into political factors, taxation factors. There's a bunch of stuff that could occur, and so what the determinants of your portfolio, the stock selection, the market timing, the asset, the outside factors, these are what make up the portfolio. But the allocation, going back to our point, what the mix of assets that you have is really what's going to drive the portfolio. Yeah, 100% there, Ryan. And, and when we start talking about individual security selection and market timing um, and, and doing uh, trades over the short term, we, we really start getting more into speculation as opposed to investing. Um, we're, we're not uh, buying and holding things for long periods of time. Uh, we're, we're maybe not even staying fully invested. Um, we're not committing to a, a strategy or a philosophy um, most of the time. And so, and, and so these things will, will dramatically increase the amount of volatility or the amount of fluctuation that we have inside of a portfolio. Um, and that has a profound effect on the, the rate of return that you ultimately get. It also has the uh, has a profound effect on, on your ability uh, to to stomach the the ups and the downs of the stock market. Um, you know, it, human nature is it really works against us when it comes to to stock markets. Um, our our basic fight or flight responses. Uh, essentially tell us to buy things that are doing well and sell things that are doing terribly. And so essentially our fight or flight response is telling us to to, to buy high and to sell low. And, and yet basic economics and, and really any rational, logical thought tells us that that is 100% backwards. Yeah, the, the emotional, right, us being human beings, we're not, you know, let's just face it, we're not really made uh, to make uh, choices objectively and the what we're and I hope this is coming across uh, a the right way and b in in 
plain language. What you know, talking about the asset allocation, the mix of assets drives a rate of return for the long term, right? This isn't right. for the year 2020. This is for many, many years. And when you've got these mix of stocks and bonds and what makes up your your portfolio, understanding it how it works and what type of asset classes you have and having a philosophy uh, of why you're doing what you're doing and holding to that is what's going to drive all of this, which is why we're talking about the allocation in such a way that you know some of you are probably thinking, well, I have maybe an individual stock that's you know like a Tesla inside of my portfolio and, and that is driving the return. It's driving the return maybe this year, but it might not be doing it next year. Right. Well, I mean, so much of it comes from like, okay, let's use Microsoft as a, another example here. Um, is, is Microsoft doing awesome and amazing because it's Microsoft or because it's a large tech company? Um, you know, if we invested in a different large tech company um, or, or a group of large tech companies, how would that perform compared to Microsoft? Uh, this year, Microsoft is outperforming most of its peers. That may or may not be true going forward. Um, and so what we're really talking about is, is having that diversified mix of assets um, and, and intentionally choosing what that mix of assets is between, uh, from a broad standpoint, stocks, bonds, real estate, and cash. Um, you know, in the future, we're going to do a podcast where we dive into and get into uh, some of the details between like domestic and international, large versus medium versus small companies, whether they're the, the value of the company is based on the underlying assets of the company and, and its current structure, or whether it's based on uh, expected growth. So that's what we mean by the asset allocation, right? We want to have different holdings so that we have opportunities every single year and we're not reliant upon one driving the return or the negative side of the portfolio because, right, the risk that you've got inside of that, that's a whole nother conversation in terms of what risk you actually hold. So just to kind of sum up to today's episode, right, because we, we've gone through a lot. So let's do a quick summary here, Alex. All right, we're talking about long-term investing and an understanding of stock selection, market timing, and outside factors. These are pieces of the portfolio, but they don't drive the return for the long, the long haul. It's what makes up the portfolio. The asset allocation is what does that. We hope you receive value out of today's episode. If you have any questions or if you have a topic that you would like for us to speak about on the podcast, make sure you head to holistic-finance.com. And at the bottom of that page, there's a way for you to engage with us there. If you're active on social media, you can find our Facebook page at Holistic Finance QFP. We tend to be active there. And as always, we hope that you have a good rest of your day and make it a great day. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or 
qualified financial partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California 91711, 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member of SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners.